Well, God bless you. Good to be here. Uh, thank you, Pastor Ben, for that uh, great welcome. I mean, I am so excited to be here with you guys today uh, at this great church, River Green Church, uh, in the great city of Waukesha, in the great state of Wisconsin, in this big old room all by myself with nobody up in here. This is just absolutely crazy. Hey, listen, I told Pastor Ben earlier, everybody, I said, look, bro, this don't count. I mean, there's no way that I can come to Waukesha for the first time and, like, not meet nobody. I mean, we got we to do something about that. And so hopefully everything goes well and uh, we'll get another opportunity to come to fellowship. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we're just so happy to be here. Uh, if you're worshiping with us online all over the world where you may be, uh, we want to welcome you today and hope that this message hits you uh, right where you are. Um, as Pastor Ben said, everybody, my name is Ray McElroy, and I had the honor and privilege of spending six years in the National Football League uh, with the Colts and Bears and Lions and everybody. Uh, I'm just a football freak. Uh, I love this game. I believe Jesus created football. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, and, and the reason I feel that way, everybody, is because this game, there are so many parallels uh, between uh, this game and real life. Just, just, just some great life lessons. Those of you who played this game, you know exactly uh, what I'm talking about. Uh, now, this game, I think Satan himself created yeah, I mean, this game right here, it, it will frustrate you, it will humble you. I mean, those of you who play this game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I remember when I first started playing golf uh, several years ago, um, I got invited to one of these celebrity deals, and, um, and we're approaching this par three hole. For my people that don't golf, par three means you have three shots in order to get the ball into the cup uh, before you start incurring penalty strokes. And so uh, we're approaching this par three hole, and it's about 170 yards from where you shoot the ball to where the hole is, and the hole, everybody, was surrounded by water. Okay, and then behind the hole, it was this nice big green forest just inviting my ball to become one with it. And then uh, on this side of the hole, there were huge sand traps. And on this side of the hole, there were two more huge sand traps. And I'm just looking at this hole, just super intimidated. And I'm just like, because at this point, I'd already lost five balls, and we were only on the fifth hole. So this, I was just like, okay, this is ball number six about to go in the water or in the grass or in the forest or whatever, right? And I'm standing there looking, and, and, and the guy who, one of, my, one of my foursome partners, walked up to me. And it was like, Ray, he sees the distress on my face. He's like, Ray, uh, what's going on? And, and I looked at him like he was like from another planet. Like, what do you mean what's going on? What, don't you see what I see? I mean, look at all of this water. Look at all these trees. Look at the sand traps. Don't you see all of that? And I remember Pastor Ben, he said something that still 15 years later, it still speaks to me. He said, you know, Ray, I don't see the water. I don't see the trees. And I don't see the sand. He said to me, he said, all I see is the flag and the cup. I said to myself, who's supposed to be the preacher in this group? But, but isn't that really true, everybody? Sometimes our perspective, that, that thing that we choose to meditate and focus on, sometimes everybody can make all the difference 
in the world. And how many of us, everybody, if we be honest, we'd have a whole lot less stress in our life, we'd have a whole lot more peace in our heart, and a whole lot more joy if we spent less time focusing and staring on our circumstances, and we spent more time staring at and focusing on the God of our circumstances. Somebody ought to say amen right there. Yeah. And I'm not saying we walk around with our heads in the clouds, being so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. I'm not saying uh, the reverse, that we walk around with our head in the sand, uneducated or ignorant about what's going on in our world today. And listen, particularly in uncertain and unprecedented times like we find ourselves in right now, everybody, now more than ever before, do we need to make sure we're keeping our eyes on the hope that we have in the most interesting man in the world, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just feel like this is just a great honor for me to have this opportunity to fellowship with you guys for the first time and open up this amazing series on the most interesting man in the world. And today, guys, I want to talk to us about what it looks like for us uh, and how important it is for us to meditate on the Messiah, the man who walked on water. Yeah. And so um, for those of you um, who are watching online all over the world, wherever you may be, be I, I want to have a moment of honesty with you. I want to invite you to be honest with me. Uh, how many of you, because of this COVID-19 deal, you either are or you know family or friends who are afraid, nervous about the future, or maybe even panicking about what even tomorrow holds? Be honest with me. Right. Maybe some of you right now, you're watching this and you're saying to yourself, Ray, this COVID-19 thing is real, but that's just a, another list and a long laundry list of other things that I'm dealing with. I got some other stuff. My, my marriage is a mess. Man, I'm dealing, I just got laid off my job. I, I got a whole bunch of other stuff going on in my life today. Listen, if that's true for you or somebody you know today, I, I think it'll be really easy for us to relate uh, to this story that we're going to talk about today in Matthew chapter 14, uh, where the disciples found themselves uh, in a stressful, stormy situation. And I wonder if I got some folks today, maybe you're tuning in today, and, and honestly, if you be honest with me, you're a little bit frustrated with God. You're a little bit frustrated with the organized church. Uh, you're not really even interested in organized religion because maybe you're here today and you feel like, you know, you've done everything exactly like you were supposed to do. Like you feel like the Lord led you to move in a specific direction. And by faith, and maybe even against sound advice, you went. You move forward only to find yourself in the middle of a disaster. And everybody, just like us, the disciples found themselves in that very same situation. They found themselves uh, doing, being obedient to Jesus, doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They found themselves in the midst of of a major storm and a major struggle. Literally for my note takers, everybody, they found themselves in the midst of four Ds. They found themselves in a desolate situation. They found themselves in a difficult situation. They found themselves in a dark situation. And they found themselves in a discouraging situation. For my note takers, a desolate, a difficult, a dark, and a discouraging situation. Amen. Uh, let's go to the, to the passage. Uh, 
Mark, excuse me, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 says this. King James Version says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Now, um, really quickly, I want to give you some backdrop of where we're finding ourselves in this passage. Now, right before this situation with Jesus sending the disciples away, Jesus just performed one of the greatest miracles in the history of the Bible when he fed 5,000 men with two fish and five loaves of bread. All right. He fed 5,000 men, not including the women and children. So if you count, can kind of do the U.S. census thing, the two parents and the 2.5 kids. You know, we can kind of safely guess that there may have been at least 20,000 people that was there that Jesus fed with two fish and five loaves of bread. And the Bible says that not only did he feed them to satisfaction, but they had 12 baskets full left over of fish and bread. And what made this miracle so miraculous is that this was the only resource that they had in the space. Only two fish and five loaves of bread in the whole space. They, they found themselves uh, in a desolate place. In fact, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 15, the verse speaks to it right before he fed them. The Bible says, now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him. And this is after uh, Jesus had been with these people for the last, I mean, literally all day, preaching to them, teaching to them. This is when it's evening. The disciples came to him and said, hey, Jesus, this is a, you see it, desolate place. And now the day is over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. I think it's so amazing, everybody, to think about the fact that there was no other resource. There was no other open door. There was no other opportunity for these people to get what they needed. But it's amazing, everybody, how little becomes much when we put it in the master's hands. He took two fish and five loaves of bread, and that's all they had. And I wonder if there's somebody here today who can relate to being in a desolate space. That word desolate literally speaks to being empty. That word desolate, everybody, literally speaks uh, to having lack. That word desolate, everybody, literally speaks to having little to no resource. And I wonder, maybe there's somebody uh, watching online today, you can understand what, and, can, and can relate to what it feels like to have uh, lack in your home or to have little or no resource available to you or to maybe be empty in your relationships. Uh, the Bible says uh, they, were fi- they found themselves in a desolate place, and the disciples were leaving this desolate place on a boat going across the sea. And, 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 and it's amazing. Sometimes we can even be around people and still be empty. I wonder if somebody in here recognized or ever been in a space uh, where you got people around you, but you still feel all alone. You're in a group of people, but you still feel like you all by yourself. Any real people talking to me today? Yeah, yeah. The Bible says they found themselves in a desolate situation, but the Bible also says that they found themselves in a difficult situation. Look at verse 24. It says, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves. Here's what's interesting about this verse, everybody. The Bible says that there on this boat, and they're being tossed by waves. Now, we know these are the disciples, right? And so we know the disciples, uh, basically, before they started following Jesus, what was most of the disciples' primary profession? Yeah, they were fishermen, right? 
I mean, these guys, they grew up on the water. They, they spent their lives on the water. They knew all about boats and how to navigate. And I'm sure this wasn't the first storm that these disciples found themselves in. And so you got to understand, when you're a professional, you know, it's kind of what you do. You understand? You take pride. It's what I do for a living. You don't tell me how to navigate a boat. I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional, right? And isn't it amazing, everybody, how sometimes God will allow storms to happen in our life, in the space where we feel the most comfortable and the most confident, just to remind us that in and of our own ability, we don't have the ability to work our way out of certain situations. Sometimes he'll allow that place to get shaken up just to remind us that bottom line, we're not in control, he's in control. Yeah, yeah. And so they found themselves in a desolate situation. They found themselves in a difficult situation. They also found themselves in a dark situation. Look at verse 25. The Bible says, and in the fourth watch of the night. That, that word fourth watch uh, for my note takers, that literally um, is the darkest part of the day. That's around the 3 a.m., 4 a.m. time frame of the day. And around that time of the day, that is when the day is at its most dark. And I wonder if I'm talking to some people today that can relate to being uh, in a dark place. Uh, we don't like to talk about this. It's just kind of been more uh, of a talking piece in our churches recently in the last few years, talking about uh, mental health, the mental awareness and depression in the church. Um, but, but, but there may be some people here today who you can relate to being in a dark space. Uh, maybe you can relate to that because you've had some abuse or you've had some addiction issues or, or you've had people walk out on you. Um, your father walked away from you, or you're dealing with a, a divorce right now. I, 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 you're in a really dark place. You know, uh, Pastor Ben told you I played in the National Football League for six seasons. I was a chaplain for five seasons. Um, what he didn't tell you is that, you know, when you're working your way to being uh, this athlete, being in this particular space, it literally consumes your life. And for most of us, if, we, if, we're, if a lot of us will be honest, uh, it becomes our identity. And when that's taken away from you, because many times, everybody, when you're a professional athlete, the game is done with you way before you're done with it. And when that's ripped away from you, now it's kind of like, okay, well, who am I now that I'm not Ray McElroy, the National Football League player? And when it was ripped away from me after my sixth season, my wife, if she was here standing before you, she'd tell you that I was depressed, I was withdrawn, I really didn't want to have much to do with anybody or anything. I was really lost trying to find myself. And I thank God uh, for the body of Christ. I thank God for my relationship with Jesus that he walked with me during that time, and because of him, and it took a little bit of time, but because of him, uh, Jesus helped me reset the reset button uh, on my life with him. He helped uh, me to reinvent my career and my vocation, and he also helped 
to redefine my purpose. Now, you know, I have a purpose using this platform to help kids in the inner city, using this platform uh, to proclaim his name uh, through my uh, relationship with Central Christian Church and whatever other opportunities that I have to share who he is. But that was a dark time in my life. And, and, and I wonder if I got some people out here who knows what it's like to be in a desolate, a difficult, and a dark space. The disciples also lastly found themselves in a discouraging space. The Bible says in verse 24 that the wind was contrary. And I don't know if anybody's ever been on a boat. Uh, in these days, they didn't have uh, power motors, so they're rowing. Right. And they're depending on the wind and you trying to go in one direction and the wind is fighting against you. It's contrary. It's fighting against you. And don't that sound a lot like life? Sometimes some of us we're fighting and we're working and we're struggling just to feel like that we're maintaining some that we're that we're gaining some ground in some areas. Some of us, we feel like our life is just like this. Reminds me of why I hate treadmills. Right? Because when you're on a treadmill, it's like activity without productivity, right? I mean, you're spending all this time working, but, but have you gained any ground? Have you, have you accomplished anything? Have you, have, you, have you moved forward in any area of your life? And that's exactly what's going on with these disciples. These guys are rowing and pushing and stressing, trying to get to where God called them to be. Just had a wind show up and. Blow them right back where they started. Found themselves in a desolate, a difficult, a dark, and discouraging situation. But everybody, here's the good news. In verse 25, I love this part. The Bible says even though they found themselves in that space, it says Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And what I appreciate about that verse is, I don't know about y'all, uh, but, you know, I had friends in my life. I had people in my life that told me uh, that they had me, that they was going to be there for me, that they had my back. And you know what? They did. It was true. They was with me when my pockets was full of money. Yeah, they was with me when all my, all my T's were crossed and all my I's were dotted in my life. But man, at the first sign of trouble, those same folk, they was out of my life like you same boat. They was out. But isn't it amazing that when we find ourselves in these situations, when we can't find a friend, church, we got a friend in Jesus. That when we're going through our stuff, he don't run away from us. He's walking right toward us. He's moving right toward us. He's heading right for us, which says to me that no matter how desolate, how difficult, how dark, or how discouraging our situation might be, we are never out of reach of the deliverer. Somebody ought to say amen right there. Yeah. And so, everybody, if that's true, what does it look like for us to really engage with the most interesting man in the world. What does it look like for us to meditate on the Messiah? And everybody, when we meditate on the Messiah, he gives us three things that we can do. He gives us the ability to do three things. Number one, he gives us the ability to hear clearly. I need everybody to say hear clearly. Yeah, good. Look at Matthew 
uh, chapter 14, verse 26. The Bible says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit! And they cried out for fear. Now, everybody, uh, it's interesting, you know, because storms are designed to be loud in nature, right? To the point to where you can't hear nothing else, you can't see nothing else, but the situation that you're dealing with, right? That's what storms are designed to do. And so storms are loud by nature. And here these disciples find themselves in a storm, right? And the Bible's telling us, okay, so first of all, it was telling us that the wind is howling, so that's loud. The wind is... Right? So that's loud, right? And then you got a picture. They're probably in a thunderstorm. So you got the thunder howling. Do y'all have bad thunderstorms in Waukesha? We had some really bad thunderstorms in Chicago. So bad that I run in my kids' room. Just, just, just scary, right? So you got the thunderstorm happening. And then, not only that, but you got the waves crashing. Right? So you got all this noise going on around you. And then, for the ladies and children watching, ladies and children, have you ever been around a man scared? Ladies and children, it's not a pretty sight. Ladies, you scream, men, we holler. I'll add, we holler and trample anything that's in our way, right? And so the Bible says that these guys are on the boat, and, 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 and they see something on the water. They really can't tell what it is, but it's walking right toward them. We know it's Jesus, but they don't know it yet. And so Jesus is walking toward them. They don't recognize Jesus at first, and they think it's... They looking out the boat. This thing is walking toward them, and they think it's one, two. Freddy's coming for you, and they's like, ah, it's a spirit, it's a ghost. Are we about to die? And they start screaming and hollering, climbing all over each other, and it's crazy. So you got all this chaos going on, and everybody don't that sound a lot like life, right? Noisy, chaotic crazy, trying to get you focused on everything but Jesus. And here's Jesus while all this noise is clamoring. Here he is whispering. He's such a gentleman. You know that still, sweet voice that we hear in our hearts? And Jesus shows up and he says, yo, you see it? You see it? You see it? It's in the Bible. He says, yo, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And here's what really spoke to me, everybody. In the middle of all of that mess and mayhem, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. Everybody would say to me that it's not a question of if Jesus will speak. The question is, everybody, will we hear and recognize his voice when he speaks? Is he will speak. And every now and then, what it looks like for us is just to take a step back from our situation and be like, okay, there's a pandemic going on. What is Jesus saying? 
What is Jesus trying to communicate? What is Jesus trying to lead me to do in the midst of what's happening? When we meditate on the Messiah in the midst of our stuff, what he does is he gives us the opportunity to hear clearly. But the second thing he does is he gives us the opportunity to move courageously. Everybody say move courageously. Yeah, look, look, at, look at verse 28. It says, um, and Peter answered him and said, Lord. Now, I got to stop right there, Pastor Ben. I think it's interesting that Peter, out of everybody in the boat, that's a full boat of disciples, right? Full boat of people. Only one dude stepped up and recognized Jesus' voice. He's like, Lord. Now, here's a question. I think it's interesting because, everybody, you do recognize in, in verse 26, in verse 27, actually, Jesus never actually identified himself, did he? He didn't say, hey, Y'all shut up all that noise. It's me, Jesus. Everything going to be all right. That ain't what he said, right? He said, all he said was, yo, be of good cheer. It is I, right? And the other disciples like, I? Who the heck is I? You a ghost, man, right? The only person that said something was Peter. Peter was like, snap, I know that voice. Hey, Lord. And I think it's interesting, everybody, because John chapter 10, verse 4 through 5 says, My sheep know my voice, and a stranger's voice they will not follow. And everybody, more than ever before, I want to challenge you where you are, where you're listening. It's great that you're a church attender. It's great that you have religion. But in a time like this, we got to step out of religion and we got to step into relationship. We got to know Jesus' voice when he's speaking and recognize it's him, what he's telling us to do, and then operate accordingly. All right? The Bible says, I like this part. He says in verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come Unto thee on the water. Am I reading that right? That what it say? That's what y'all screen say? I think my Bible broke. Let me read this one more time. Let me try this again. Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, if that's you, then tell me to come to you on the water. I'm sorry, I'm just a little bit confused. I'm just saying to myself, listen, if that was me, I'm just saying, y'all, I'd have had a different request. I don't know about y'all. I'd have requested something different. I'd have been like, oh, hey, Jesus, you here. Praise God. Hey, listen, bro, uh, can you calm these waves down? Because we on these tidal waves. You know, you just fed us real good just an hour ago on the beach. Man, I had about eight fish, about a whole loaf of bread. And now because of these waves, I'm telling you, my lunch and my dinner is about to come all up on, on, on John and, and Matthew, and that ain't going to be pretty. Can you calm this down? All right. I said, my request would have been, 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 been a little different. I request, hey, Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. Hey, can you cut some light on? Because it's dark out here, bro, and I can't see a thing. All right. I mean, I'm just saying, everybody, I mean, where I'm from, what Peter just requested, that ain't a normal request. I'm from Chicago. Maybe it's just me. Do y'all just walk on water up here in Waukesha? Do y'all do that? No. All right? 
Some of y'all like, bro, I can't even swim. I don't know what you're talking about, walking on water, right? Yeah, and so I'm wondering to myself, Jesus, why would Peter, out of all the requests that he could have made, I mean, literally connected to you, could touch you, had access to you, out of all the requests that Peter could have made, why would he make such an unusual request to ask you to do something that people just don't do? In fact, ask you to do something that, quite honestly, has never been done. And I really felt like as I was meditating on that, um, the Lord said to me that Peter, everybody, settled in his heart that, yeah, I know this is abnormal. I know this is unprecedented. And I know this is seemingly impossible. But if Jesus says so, then maybe I can. Some of you right now, you, you got some unusual, unprecedented things happening in your life, and not just this COVID-19. Uh, but maybe in your existence, um, it's unusual for anybody to be married over 15 years. And maybe right now, you're in the midst of a struggle, and you're thinking, oh, well, this is kind of how my whole family history has been. I mean, divorce is just a part of it. You know, so I might as well just walk away now. Maybe you here and you're not used to parenting because you didn't have a parent yourself. And so it's easy for you to just kind of walk in and out of your children's life. Maybe you here and, you know, you just you just used to just not being able to keep work. You know, you just seem like every time something happens, you know, you, you, you're the one that's in the middle of it and you bouncing from job to job. But isn't it interesting um, that when we just turn that stuff over to Jesus, how he can help you be the husband, the wife, the mother, the father, the employee, the man of God that he called you to be. Hey, if Jesus says so, can I tell you, say something to somebody? Yes, you can. You can be anything that God has called you to be. Even if, even, even, even if it seems unprecedented, even if it seems unusual, even if it seems impossible. Uh, with God, all things are possible. Yeah. And so when we meditate on the Messiah, I love it. He says, if, if you tell me to come, I'm coming. Verse 29 says, and Jesus, and he said, Jesus said, come. And it's amazing what happens when Jesus gave him permission. The thing that originally had Peter terrified now he's walking right on top of. See, when we have the ability to connect with the most interesting man in the world, my hero, I love him. When we, when we meditate on the Messiah, everybody, he gives us the ability to hear clearly. And once we hear him clearly, now we can move courageously. And I want to say to somebody who's here today that's listening, maybe right now you're a little bit too comfortable in your boat. You've gotten complacent where you are. And could it be that God has allowed this coronavirus to sit you down to deal with you and get to push you out of your comfort zone and step out on some areas that maybe before today you've been unwilling to step out on? But thirdly, everybody, he gives us the ability uh, to, to function competently. Everybody say function competently. Yeah. Uh, verse 29 says, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. I want to ask you a question. We're almost done. Listen, have you ever been in a situation or do you, have you ever known people 
who it seems like no matter what situation that they're going through, and you know they're going through some junk, you know they're going through some mess, they always seem to just have a peace about them, right? Nothing seems to rattle them, right? It's something about the great ones in football that the great ones never seem to get rattled. And I want to tell you right now, and I know I'm in the great state of Wisconsin. I deal with this every week with my bear stuff on. But I want to tell all of my listeners all over the world, and particularly those who attend uh, River Glen Church, uh, why I hate number 12, Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. Now, I know some of you right now, you're like, well, Ray, I mean, you're a Christian, you're a pastor, you're not supposed to hate anybody, and, and, and I know you're right, uh, but I hate him because that guy's amazing. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I don't care what you do to him. If you blitz him, if you pressure him, if you try to trick him on defense, that dude is always 100% in control of his space, his emotions, and his team. And if you really try to push him, that dude will make an average play into a great play. And I believe he does that because Aaron Rodgers has this innate belief in the ability, the talent, and the skill that's within him. And I believe he believes that what's in him is bigger than the opposition around him. I wish I could get some people to think about what our lives would look like if we truly and authentically believe that the Jesus within us is bigger than the opposition around us. And what would happen, everybody, if we had the same attitude that Jesus Christ had, Philippians chapter 2 talks about, uh, that though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being, and appeared in human form. And then verse 8 says, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross, died the death that we should have died, paid the price that we should have paid because of our sin, and died for us. And verse 9 says, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave Jesus the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And everybody, how would our lives change if we truly recognize that, there, that no name is above Jesus' name, that no name is greater than Jesus' name, that at the name of Jesus, divorce has to bow down. At the name of Jesus, unemployment has got to bow down. At the name of Jesus, depression has got to bow down. At the name of Jesus, COVID-19 has got to bow down. At the name of Jesus, at the name of the most interesting man in the world. Can I tell you, everybody, things change. And this is what's interesting to me as I close this out. You know, what the Lord is most interested in changing when we talk about the most interesting man in the world, you know what he's most interested in changing? The Lord is not 
most interested in changing our circumstances. But what the Lord is most interested in changing is changing us in the middle of our circumstances. You notice when Jesus uh, told Peter to come, Peter stepped out of the boat and everybody, can I tell you, uh, the Bible didn't say, and oh yeah, uh, the wave ceased and the wind stopped and the thunder uh, canceled out. No, the storm was still going on, right? But it's interesting that when we're focused on Jesus, the thing that had us trapped and the thing that had us complacent and the thing that had us comfortable, now that we're focused on Jesus, he gives us the ability of the thing that the very thing that the enemy wanted to eliminate us, God will use that very same thing to elevate us. The very thing the enemy desired to take us under, God will use that same thing to bring us over. The very same thing, the ways and all that stuff that was over our head, Jesus will give us the ability when we focus on him to put it under our feet. When we focus and meditate on the Messiah. He changed Peter's outlook. He changed Peter's perspective. It's amazing how small things are in the lens of a big God. Woo, if I was at church, I'd have got an amen right there. Yeah. And, and, and everybody, Peter didn't do it perfectly, and I'm not saying we're going to do it perfect. Look at verse 30. I'm, I promise I'm about to go. It says, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He had enough sense to cry out, Jesus, save a brother. You see it? You see it? It's right there. Yeah. And the Bible says in verse 31, immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, Yo, little faith, bruh, wherefore did you doubt? Everybody, there may be times uh, when you lose your focus. But can I tell you, that's what church is all about. That's what the body of believers is all about. This is where we sharpen ourselves. This is where we get our focus refixed. That's when we hit the reset button and we recommit to keeping our eyes on where they should have been in the first place. Everybody, if we can do this, if we can engage with the most interesting man in the world, he gives us the ability to do three things. He gives us the ability to hear clearly. He gives us the ability to move courageously. And he gives us, even in the midst of a global pandemic, to function competently. Everybody, that's my prayer for you guys, wherever you may be all over the world. Can we lean in and pray right there? Father, we love you today. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus, your name is above every name. Your name is above disease. Your name is above sickness. Your name is above divorce. Your name is above depression. It's above anything that we can be facing. Our challenge is to not allow the noise of the mess to pull our eyes away from you, Messiah God. Help us, Lord, to keep our focus where it should be. And that's on you, Jesus. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. And what a great time for us to exercise our faith right now. Lord, whatever we may be going through, can we 
keep our eyes on you. And Lord, as we do that, would you meet needs? God, would you heal? Lord, would you provide? Father, would you allow us to walk on top of the things that the enemy designed, designed to take us under? And God, we'll give you your name, all the praise and glory and honor when you do it. We thank you and we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.